All right. How we doing? Let's go. Well, hey, how does it feel to be here on another Tuesday night? Come on, anybody excited to be in the exchange on a Tuesday? Let's go. It's going to be a great night tonight. My name is Mark. I get the privilege of serving as uh, the young adult pastor and help lead some of our family ministries at Grace. And super pumped, especially if it's your first time. Come on, welcome all of the first timers one more time. So glad you are here and you're here on the perfect night. Here's why. We've got baptisms, like Taylor said. We got hot chocolate. But most importantly, I'm really pumped about tonight because I get to speak a message that I feel like God's been writing on my heart for the past couple years. And I kind of just felt like this was the night, this was the moment to share this message. And I want to start out with a question. I usually start out with a story or something, but I want to start with a question. Here's my question. I wonder if I'm the only one who has ever felt they've messed up far too many times, sinned way too much, or are way too far gone to be loved by God. I wonder if I'm the only one. And I don't think I am, because when I read the Bible, I see a man by the name of Paul. Paul's a pastor. He helped lead and build the church of Jerusalem. And when we look at the life of Paul, we see he's a man that struggled with so many different things in the course of his journey. Even before he was a follower of Jesus, he was the sinner of sinners. And even when he made a decision to accept Jesus into his heart, he still struggled with many things. And when we read the scriptures, we see in Romans chapter 7, that Paul gets to this moment where he's just overwhelmed by discouragement. He's just overwhelmed and super discouraged because he feels like he just can't get it right. He's sinning time after time and he cries out to God in Romans chapter 7 and I'm going to paraphrase it. He says, God, what's wrong with me? Like, God, I love you and I hate sin, but I continue to sin. I, I just can't get it right, God. God, what is wrong with me? Has anyone ever felt like that before? Like you hate sin, but you continue to live in sin. But I love how Paul kind of maps out that cry to God because he would then kind of finish with some truth. He would then say, but I've got hope because I know that I'm free because you died on a cross. You sent your son to die on a cross for my sin. And he walked in that freedom and he found hope. And it's the hope and the freedom that I believe so many of us are in search of, but we don't know where to find it. I believe it's the hope and the freedom that so many of us are craving, but we don't know where to find it. I think when we think about God pursuing us, some of us think about God in this way with his love, and it's kind of like the way that we date some people. Like, I, I think that we think God treats us the same way that we treat people that we date. Like, when we get tired of them, it's like, uh, next. Or like, date after date, and it's just like boring, it's not the same, uh, next. Or like they can't get it right or they don't seem committed enough. It's like, ah, next, I'm good. I think some of us have that notion. We have that belief that that's the way that God sees us. After we mess up, after we sin, whenever we're struggling, up ah, next. And I believe when we understand God's truth, we will understand despite our brokenness, God still wants us. Despite our brokenness, God still wants us. Despite our mistakes, God still wants us. And that's the truth I want you to get today. Because not only do we see that in the life of Paul, but we also see that in the life of a man by the name of Peter. And Peter is a man mentioned because he was one of the first disciples that we read about in the Bible. And Jesus and Peter have a unique encounter for the first time. You see, Peter, he was a fisherman. He used to fish. That was his profession. And one day he would be doing the same routine task of fishing. 
But this day was a little different. He was having extreme difficulty catching fish. So as he's discouraged, he starts packing up his nets and calling it a day. And as he's getting ready to head home that day, he encounters Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, it says this. It says, Jesus said to Simon, put out into deep water. Let down the nets for a catch. So here's Peter, he's, he's already, or Simon Peter, he's already discouraged, he's calling it quits. Jesus gets into this boat. He says, yo, put out into deep water, let down the nets for a catch. Verse five, Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse six says, when they done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. In verse 8, it says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Go away from me, God, I'm a sinful man. Picking up in verse 10, it says, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. You'll fish for people. Verse 11, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. They left everything and they followed him in this moment. Don't miss this point because Jesus uses this moment to give Peter a new purpose. Jesus uses this moment right here to give Peter a new purpose for his life. And Peter's response immediately goes to leaving behind everything he's ever known. I'll share that story with you because I believe some of us, we've been trying to follow God. We've been trying to walk in purpose But the problem is we are holding on to some things that we need to let go of. I share that because I really believe, I even experienced this in my life. God had a plan and a purpose and a new call in my life, but I was holding on to old ways, old things, bad relationships. I was holding on to all of these old things. And I want you to know, before we can get to the new thing, we need to leave behind the old thing. In order for us to walk in our purpose, in order for us to step into the new thing, we've got to leave behind the old thing. And the thing I want to help you let go of tonight, the thing I really want to focus on tonight, is the belief that we have that because of our sin, because of our wrong, we're disqualified from a relationship with God. That's the thing I want to help you let go of tonight because I believe that thinking, it will ruin and wreck your life if you believe that to be true. So let's start here. When we believe that, that we're disqualified from a relationship with God, I think it's the lies that we start to tell ourselves. It shows up with these lies that you're like, God, you can't love me. Like, I've, I've lied way too many times. Or, man, like, God, I've, you know, I don't talk to you enough or I don't pray actively or God, like, yo, you, you've seen my sin. I've been drinking. I've been smoking. I've been going to these different places. Like, God, you can't love me. Or it's the thoughts and the moments where we're like, yo, God, I've, I've slept with way too many people, God. You can't love someone like me, God. God, I'm way too broken. And here's the truth. God's grace overlooks our mistakes. So you've got to fight that battle by proclaiming that truth. God's grace overlooks our mistakes. And I know this isn't really like a, oh, off the jump, like, oh, we're, we're going to have fun and a lighthearted message. This is more of a teaching. But I want to help you find freedom today. Because I believe that so many of us have lived in this prison because of our thinking. You see, your life is always headed in the direction of your deepest thoughts. And some of your deepest thoughts have been on the fact that you're a mistake, that you're an accident, 
that you've already wrecked your life at the age of 25, that God will never accept you or God doesn't love you. And because of that, you feel you're disqualified. I remember when my wife and I, we were living in Miami and we were at a church and I remember time after time, weekend after weekend, on, uh, there was a young man that would sit all the way in the back of the worship center or in the back of the auditorium. As we're getting ready to dismiss for service, this young man, he would bolt immediately for the doors. He'd hit the doors. Like, he didn't want to get caught up in any of the foot traffic. He would bolt for the doors. And I remember one day I said, you know what, I'm going to talk to that guy. I'm going to connect with that guy. So what I did was I was waiting for him in the back, and immediately as he's starting to walk out, I'm standing there, and he's like still trying to dodge me a little bit. I'm like, hey, man, I realize you've been coming here for a pretty long time, but you don't seem too connected. I want to see if there's any way I can serve you or, you know, maybe pray for you or something. And he's like, you know, I appreciate that, but there's not really anything you can do to help me. I'm like, okay, interesting, interesting guy. Those, those things happen. But in this moment, he began to tell me that he was starting to really doubt the fact that God would ever pursue someone like him. See, he was struggling with his sexuality. He had some other things that he was struggling with. He, he was battling deep depression. He was struggling with drug abuse. He had a whole bunch of different things that he was wrestling with. And because of all of that, he believed he was impossible to be pursued by God. And I share that story tonight because I believe some of us, we need to let go of that notion, that idea that we're too messed up for God to pursue us. That we've made way too many mistakes For God to pursue us. Some of us, we have a call to build and be in ministry and help build God's church, but we believe our mistakes overlook our calling. Some of us believe that, like, yo, like, I'm called to ministry. I love God. I love being at church. Like, I feel called to this thing, but all these things I've done in my past, like, I can't serve God. And I want you to know that's the lie the enemy wants you to believe. The lie enemy wants wants you to believe is that you're too messed up to be used by God. And tonight, Tonight's the night that some of you need to understand you're not too far gone. That God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. Tonight's the night to deal with that sin. Yes, we're going to deal with the sin issue, but God's still in pursuit of you. You are not disqualified from a relationship with God. And when we look at the life of Peter, I believe we'll learn some ways that we can find freedom and fight against these thoughts, fight against these lies that the enemy throws our way because Peter's Peter's life is a a perfect picture of hope. It's a perfect picture of hope when I think about Peter's life because Peter, he would be used by God to help build and lead the church. In fact, Peter, after Jesus ascends into heaven, Peter would preach the first sermon in a church and he would lead thousands of people to Christ. But when we look at Peter's past, it does not look like this dude would be used by God. When you learn about the character and the person of Peter, I think about him, this is the way I think about it. I think about him like that uncle that like you see once a year. And whenever you see him once a year, the first thing he says is like, yo, go be useful, go grab me a beer. (laughs) Anybody have that uncle like that's super rough around the edges? Like that's what I think about when I think of Peter. I think about a man's man, a guy with no chill because all throughout scripture, we, we see Peter, he's just, he's just an angry guy. He's super greedy, he's pretty prideful, pretty rude. He's always looking to start bickering with someone or start fighting someone. He has some insecurities that he's not dealing with. But what amazes me is Jesus still chooses him. He still chooses him. And in fact, from the day Jesus had stepped into Peter's boat, he knew his sin. 
He knew his struggle. You see, God has what we call foreknowledge. Like he knows what's ahead. From the foundations of the earth, some people call it predestination. Maybe you've heard it that way. But God, from the foundations of the earth, he knew Peter's sin. And he knows your sin. He knows all of your struggles. But he still chooses you. But he still chooses you. You see, God knows your sin, but the enemy, he wants you to believe your sin is a one-of-a-kind sin. He wants you to believe you're the only person that struggles with that thing that you're struggling with. You're the only person that struggles with that thing that you're struggling with. But what that leads you to do is conceal whatever you're struggling with. That leads you to hold on to it. That leads you to feel like you can't tell anyone or seek any guidance or get help from anyone. You hold on to it. And then what you do, you start trying to manage it on your own. You you start taking matters into your own hand and think that you can manage it on your own. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, the temptations and the struggles in your life are no different from what others experience. But God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations or the struggles that you face to be more than what you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure, so you can endure. You see, the problem is when we try to manage our struggle, we will never bring it to God. We'll never confess, we'll never repent, we'll never seek help, we'll never seek guidance, and then we'll find ourselves in this prison cell trying to manage our own sin. And that we're just in this perpetual cycle of sin. And that we're struggling because we know we need to break free, but we don't know how to. And then we start feeling shame and guilt We start doubting, yo, like, am I even saved? You start thinking like, yo, does God even love me? Yo, is God even real? Yo, did I ever have a genuine faith? And then you you have or you give the enemy exactly what he desired. He desired for you to give up on your faith. He desired you to stop pursuing God. And in that moment, you give the enemy exactly what he desires. And I think this is the thing that you need to ask yourself. Whenever I'm struggling, whenever I do feel like I'm disqualified from God's love, am I running to God with those thoughts or am I running from God with those thoughts? I think even with our sin, when we feel tempted, when we feel like we're about to give in, we need to ask ourselves, am I gonna run to God or am I running from God? And I believe when we run from or to God, It's the moment where we say, God, I'm struggling with this. God, purify my heart. God, change me from the inside out. God, help me to walk through this. God, give me the wisdom I need. Or it's the moments where you even lean on your community and the people that you have that serve as accountability. That's how we run to God in those moments. And I think when we run to God or we don't run to God because we feel God's gonna treat us the way maybe your parents have treated you. When your parents, you would go to your parents like, hey, 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 whatever, this happened. And your parents start shaming you. They start telling you you're stupid. They, they start calling you all of these different things. And you start feeling this overwhelming feeling of guilt. That's what the enemy wants you to believe, that you're all of those different things. But God wants to set you free of that. And I believe when we look at the life of Peter, Peter shows us some ways to do just that. To get past the feeling of shame and guilt. And really the moment I want to focus on is a moment that many, many of you probably know. It's the moment where 
Peter, after following and walking with Jesus for about three years, he and all the disciples would be sitting at the table for dinner, and it's what we call the Last Supper. So they're all breaking bread, they're all eating, and then Jesus does something that's so bizarre. He starts to predict his death. He starts to tell the disciples, yo, this is how I'm gonna die. You know what's gonna happen, it's, it's gonna happen like this. I'm gonna be arrested, these men are gonna come, they're gonna take me, and they're gonna throw me in front of a judge, and the judge, he's, he's gonna sentence me to death, and death on a cross by the way of crucifixion. And Jesus says this, he says, but once I go and die, you all are gonna fall away from everything I have taught you. And what, what's crazy to me is what Peter says, because Peter, knowing Peter's character, with pride in his heart, he says, God, forget them. I will never leave you, God. God, forget them. I, I will never leave you, though, God. Look what it says, uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 29. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not leave you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you, God. And moments later, right after this, Jesus, he would be met in the Garden of Gethsemane, where a bunch of officers would approach him and they would arrest him. And in this moment, out of anger, per usual, Peter does the unthinkable. He pulls out a sword and tries to behead one of the officers. Talk about crazy. But he strikes this man's ear, and Jesus rebukes him in front of all of these people. He's like, yo, what are you trying to do? Do you not understand? This is all a part of the plan, Peter. And as they go to take Jesus away, Peter starts to follow the group into the village. And as they're in the village, Peter's cold, so he sits down by a fire, and he's trying to stay warm. And Jesus, he's, he's taken out in front of the judge in the middle of the temple. And the Bible says this in Mark chapter 14, verse 66. It says, while Peter was below in the courtyard, a servant girl of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him closely. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. And in that moment, Peter denied it. He says, I don't know you or I don't understand what you're talking about, he said and went out into the entryway. Verse 69, when the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. And again in that moment, Peter denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them. You were with Jesus. He says in verse 71, it says in 71, he began to call down curses. Of course he does, Peter, he's swearing, cursing throwing things, turning to anger. And he says, I don't know this man you were talking about. Verse, uh, verse 72, immediately the rooster crowed the second time. And in that moment, Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken him. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And get that last verse. Peter, he broke down and wept. Peter, he broke down and he wept. You see, here is this man now brought to his knees. He's filled with sorrow. He's filled with shame. He's broken at his core because he knows he's wronged God. But the thing that's hard for Peter is he has this true love for God. 
He loves God so much, but he just can't seem to get it right. He just can't seem to get it together. And I wonder how many of us in the room have found ourselves in the same position as Peter, where we're down on our knees questioning, why can't I get this right? Or maybe you're down on your knees saying, I know I've wronged God so many times. I am a failure. And Peter, in this moment, as he's broken down on his knees, crying, weeping, and filled with sorrow, he's probably thinking, it's over. I'm disqualified. God can't love me. God won't love me. God won't pursue me. God won't save me from my sin. It's over. I've failed him way too many times. And I think so many of us, we love God just like Peter. We come to church. We sing the songs. We do the deed every single Tuesday out of routine. But we go home and we can't stop watching certain things. We go home and we, we fall back into places, going to places that we know we shouldn't be going to. We start talking about people ways that we know is gossip and dishonoring in the eyes of God. We start falling into this trap of doing all of these things. And then what do we do? We fall into this perpetual cycle of sin because now we think we're too far gone. We believe we're too far gone. But hear me on this. God's grace outweighs your disgrace. God's grace overlooks your mistakes. And God is still pursuing you. And I know this kind of just feels like, oh man, where's the lighthearted moment? But the truth of it is this. If we don't deal with sin, sin will deal with us. If we don't deal with sin, sin will deal with us. And we've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to self-evaluate. We've got to look at the issue and deal with it. And all of us, we, we could come to the room and believe like, oh, I go to church. That means I got a relationship with Jesus. That doesn't mean you have a relationship with Jesus. You got to get to a posture where you're surrendered, where you're maybe like Peter, broken down, weeping and broken because you realize you have a sin issue. But too many of us are believing this lie. The problem is too many of us are believing this lie. Our sin is defining us. It's, we're too far gone. We're, we're too far into our sin. There's no turning back. God can't save someone like me. I am my sin. You start believing, I am my sin. I'm defined by my sin. But when you realize and understand the truth of the gospel, you aren't your sin. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. You are his child. He did the deed for you so you could walk in freedom. And I know like the past couple weeks I've been speaking, I've been preaching the gospel, but this is something I believe will change you from the inside out. This is going to solve and give you the answers that you've been in search of. But you've got to receive the truth. You've got to be willing to say, I'm not turning back to my old ways. I'm looking forward to what God has for me. I want you to understand in this moment, because what happens next to Peter, it's a huge turning point. It's a huge turning point. Because Peter, as he's weeping, as he's hurt, as he's discouraged, as he's down, as he feels like it's over and he's in despair and he feels like there's no turning back, God won't love him or God isn't going to forgive him his sin and he let Jesus down. Jesus appears and he does the unthinkable. But I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Because before I even go into that, I want to, I want to give you a clear understanding of what the truth of the gospel is. See, the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Some of you have heard that verse. But you always think it's about other people. You always think it's not about me. God didn't give his son for me. No, God gave his son for everyone. 
so they could have a relationship with him. The Bible says in in Romans chapter five, verse eight through nine, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right with God in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from condemnation. You see, while we were all sinners, God did the deed by sending his son to die on a cross for our sins so we could accept him in our lives. And I'm preaching this message. Here's why I'm preaching this message. Because for so long, I believed the lies that the enemy wanted me to believe. I believed that I was disqualified from a relationship with God because of my past. I believed the lie that I couldn't even pursue Michelle because I was so broken and she was too good for me. I believed the lie that when I felt the call to ministry, I was like, there's no way God could use someone like me. And I know in the room tonight, we've got so many different people that have been called by God, that God wants to use, that God's been pursuing, but you feel you are disqualified because of your past. God's just saying, come to me. I did the deed. Would you surrender? Would you believe that truth that I have already done the work? You see, Jesus, here's the truth. Jesus, he didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And for too long, maybe for you, you've been believing that it's time for me to like clean myself up. And the answer isn't you cleaning yourself up because Jesus isn't caught up on you changing your behaviors. Jesus is caught up on you giving him your heart. This isn't about behavior. This isn't about changing your behavior. This is about letting God change your heart. What we need to do is seek God and ask him to change our heart. That's what David did. Think about David, King David. He killed a man. He slept with the girl or, or the guy's wife. Had sex with her, committed adultery, got her pregnant. And the way to mitigate the issue, he killed this guy. And in this moment, he, he's like, yo, my sin is up, up against me. I know some of you probably like, I never killed someone. I hope not. Anyways. But David, like, he's crying out for God's forgiveness. He's like, God, I know I've sinned against you, but God cleanse my heart. I believe God is waiting for a generation of young adults to cry out to God and ask him to change you from the inside out. I believe God is waiting for a generation of people to come and fall on their knees and weep and understand they have a sin issue, but Jesus took care of it for you. I believe God is waiting for a group of people that don't just come to church out of routine and thinks that, think that's the thing that changes them or saves them. He's waiting for repentant hearts. And if we don't believe that truth, guys, we are gonna miss the point. And I missed that point for far too many years. I made it all about behavior. I lived this one life Monday through Friday when Saturday and Sunday came and time came to go to church. I'm there. God doesn't want a group of people that play church. He wants a group of people who are committed to building the church. He wants a group of people who are committed to building their life on the truth truth that comes from the message of Jesus Christ. Like the days of playing church are over. God's waiting for a repentant heart because that's the heart. He wants. And as I close, we left off at this moment where Peter, he's sitting there weeping as Jesus is nailed to the cross and 
He's filled with sorrow. He's discouraged, and he's probably feeling like, yo, it's over. I'm disqualified. God doesn't want me. He's not pursuing me. I've done the deed. I've done way too much wrong. I have way too many problems. I've done it all. God is done with me. And the Bible says that in a moment, there would be a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene that would come onto the scene. And this woman, Mary, she would go over to the place where they would take Jesus' body off of the cross and put him into this tomb or into this grave. And the Bible says they put Jesus' body into the grave and this woman, Mary Magdalene, she walks into the grave. She realizes the tombstone that was covering the grave was removed. So she walks in and she realizes it's an empty grave. But as she looks up, the Bible says that she sees an angel. In Mark chapter 16, it says this, as she entered the tomb... They saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. The man looked and said, don't be alarmed. He said, you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. The good news is he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? See the place where they, it's empty. Do you see it? It's empty. He's gone ahead of you to Galilee. Get this moment, though. There you will see him just as he told you. Look at that. Look at that verse. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. Think about that. That means that Jesus told the angel, I want you to make sure Peter's reminded I'm pursuing him. He tells the angel, I want you to make sure you tell all of the people that I'm still pursuing Peter. I I don't think Peter was expecting that. I think Peter's still focused on what he had done in his past. But what this man is saying is make sure Peter knows he is still loved. Make sure Peter knows I care for him. Make sure Peter knows I know his heart. See, I want you to understand. I want someone in the room to understand today. Despite what you have done, God still loves you. God still knows you. And he calls you by name. You see, your past is your past. You may say, oh, man, like you may make a decision today to, you know, take a step into your future and you're like, yo, I'm not looking back. I'm not doing that thing. But you need to make up your mind and understand you aren't going back because the only direction is moving forward. See, when we make up our minds to say the only direction I'm moving is forward, we'll ask God to change us from the inside out. We'll ask God to forgive us our sin. We'll ask God to change our heart. And most importantly, we will be able to walk in freedom. We'll be able to walk in freedom. Every head bowed right now in this moment. There's someone in the room that just feels like they are their sin. You're defined by your sin. You've done way too much wrong. And you're just like, I feel like this is the end of the road. I want you to know God is calling your name still. 
And I want to pray for you right now in this moment. So, Father, you see the need and the hurt. You see the brokenness. You see the shame. You see the guilt. And I pray, Lord, right now that you would speak to that person and that they would find freedom. I pray, Lord God, that you would remind that person of your love. I pray that you would remind them of your grace and your mercy. I pray, God, that they would be able to find freedom that comes from you. And maybe you're in the room with every head bowed, and this is maybe your first time hearing what we call the gospel, the fact that Jesus Christ lived the life that you couldn't live, that he came, he was perfect. And you had this issue called sin and it separated you from having access or a relationship to God. And you're saying, God, I want to be in a relationship with you. What you need to do is accept the fact that Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that he died for your sin once and for all. And the Bible says you will be saved. And I want to say this prayer. And I want everybody to just pray it aloud. Pray it aloud. We're family here. I want you to pray it out loud. Because this is the moment where you put a line in the sand and say, God, I'm living my life for you. I want a relationship with you forever. Lead with this prayer. Lord Jesus, say it out loud. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I know I've sinned against you. Lord, purify my heart and help me from this day forward to live a life that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, church, can we just put our hands together?